Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. Welcome to the weekly We Are LA Tech Remix episode. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Hey guys, I'm Sharon Winter. COO and co-founder of Esports One. We built the fantasy esports platform for gamers by gamers based out of Santa Monica. So I am the COO and everyone touches everything. We're still we're still rather young and I mostly handle or mostly kind of uh, spearhead partnerships. And that goes back to my days at Hotpoint, where we had 2,500 clients that I pulled in and we built from the ground up. And these are clients like Live Nation and Hilton and Marriott and The Win and Hakkasan Group and all these guys. And now all these partnerships that I've been working with and people I've been working with that are now friends, I'm able to translate these uh, non-endemic partners into the esports space and introduce them to it. And so that's one of my core focuses and then building community. So anything that involves our community products we own and we've built several community products and we're the home collectively uh, across all of our platforms. We're the home to 5 million gamers and we have to curate that community and give them, yeah, give them some, you know, Uh, refresh it for them constantly and kind of be there to build that. Where are you in the development of the company? Like how many people are on your team? Have you guys raised? um, What? Tell us a little bit about the ecosystem of Esports One. So Esports One has been around for about two, two and a half years. We originally came out of MIT, MIT Play Labs, and uh, we started off and still are a computer vision company, a stats and data company in esports um, that fuels all of our um, insights using computer vision. And with this tech and data, we've been able to build the most powerful stats and data warehouse. And then with that, we've been able to build this extremely rich and exciting fantasy esports experience. And we are going after being the only players standing as far as the fantasy esports destination for every game title. So far, we've launched with League of Legends, and we are diving into our second season in about three weeks, which is so exciting, um, which is for Summer Split. I'm so excited. (laughs) And there's so many fun things happening with it. I mean, we are doing E1 Fantasy on steroids. We're introducing new, um, new features every single week that the league will be open. We are introducing an event pass. We are introducing different ways for you to research your favorite players and actually get really creative insights. We have a new content partner that will be coming in and giving exclusive interviews with the players for our specific users. There's a lot we're pouring into this 
and it is a free experience. And it's all about, you know, we're, we're so much about value up front. We're giving our users the absolute richest data-driven experience they can get because we know gamers and we're all gamers and we want to build some place that we want to hang out in and we want to spend our time in ourselves. And how large is your team? Our team is right at 20 people and um, that's across all our products. We have four products. Our main one is E1 Fantasy. And then the other products are community products that feed into E1 Fantasy. So one is a wiki site where you can look up all your favorite players. Another one is a Discord extension where you can play fantasy on Discord. Another one is a stats site. We we have a few. And have you guys raised or are you self-funded? We have raised. Um, we raised our last round was our seed round. And to date, we've raised a total of $4 million and we'll be going out again soon. So what kind of insights can you give us about raising? Um, Are you the person responsible for raising or does someone else on the team do that? So the CEO, Matt, and I are both um, responsible for it. We kind of tag team. He's very much the introvert gamer that really gets into the nitty gritty details, also very technical. And then I am the bridge between um, investors who aren't as well versed in the space. I'm able to kind of articulate and explain to them, you know, what we're doing and why it matters and um, explain also the technical side in a way to, we call them the non-endemic investors. And then there's Matt kind of handles the investors who have been gaming for 30 years and have, you know, invested in everything since the beginning of Twitch. And they get into a much deeper level of conversation where they just talk about their favorite games they like to play. (laughs) (laughs) And what would you say is the number one thing that you've done really right within your company when it comes to culture? When it comes to culture, I think the most important part has been communication because it's really, really, really hard to do. And I will say it, we are not all perfect at it. I think that's something we've learned. And also I think the the way to come back from miscommunication might be the most valuable tool that we've picked up. And I think we've all picked it up together. I think there will always be miscommunication. And if you can bounce back from it without having any anger or kind of holding any grudges and understanding and knowing without someone to have to tell you, like, we're all here for the same goal and the same mission, being able to find that balance and not letting it get emotional. That's been the hardest thing to, um, to conquer, but also that has become the most productive, um, transition or kind of the lesson that has created the most productivity out of it. This is Stacey Buck. I am the CEO and founder of Frequency Machine. We are a podcast network and distribution company based in Beverly Hills. Yeah. So there are two stories, I think, that that I'll share with you that are very different ways in which we went about getting investment funding. And so the first was that, you know, for Arlen, it was a that was somebody was able to commit connect me with her. And, you know, you hear that a lot, that that's what you need is somebody to be able to connect to you. But part of part of being able to get to that point is to talk to lots of people and get somebody, find somebody who can make that connection for you. I had a hunch that Arlen would really be interested in this idea because she really liked the medium of audio, you know, enjoyed that space. And she was on, you know, season whatever of startup. I sort of targeted that idea for her as this is somebody that might really resonate with what we're trying to do. And then the other story is there's a, you know, venture firm out there called Pod Fund. And I had heard about them and I just cold pitched them. And I said, this is, this is who we are. 
this is why I think, you know, we would be a good fit for you. And that also worked. So there's, you know, the, I think there's no hard, fast rule, but you have to, you have to put yourself out there. And is PodFund specifically focused on podcasting industry? It is, yeah. And it's actually specifically focused on people that are creating as opposed to, you know, people that are building tools, because there are a lot of, there are a lot of venture firms out there that are also, you know, funding the the tool building companies, but people that are also creating content, there's not a whole lot of funders out there specifically geared for that. Walk us through Frequency Machine. Who is your target audience and what problems are you solving? Our target audience is people that are curious, people that are inspired by travel, people that love to hear stories about the world, you know, people that are interested in in that sort of premium level narrative storytelling that might be excited about watching, you know, something that Anthony Bourdain does or, you know, something of that genre. And, you know, that that core demographic of people is is where we we really live, I think. And the problem that we're solving, we hope, is that in the audio in the podcast space right now, there is very little out there for people that are interested in travel content at a at a premium level. There are a handful of travel podcasts out there that are travel logs that are tips and tricks about how to use your airline miles and all of that stuff is is great, but it's not what we do. We're gonna tell you a fascinating story about someplace in the world. What is your dream vision for Frequency Machine? Like what, if you had your dream outcome scenario, you know, a year or a few years from now, what does that look like? Our dream is to build the network into a a large enough network that we really own this particular space that we're in, this travel space that we're in, and also be able to do, you know, other kinds of content that we really love. You know, we've got a true crime show and some other stuff out there that we are, feel really passionate about. Um, but to to really build a travel brand of the of the company. And then, you know, at a certain point down the line, we're definitely open to acquisition. And that would be our ultimate goal. And how many people are in your team now? We have a small core team in Los Angeles, you know, maybe like half a dozen people. And then we have teams of people assigned to different shows around the world. So Passport is run out of um, Barcelona. So there's a team of about half a dozen people in Barcelona that produce that show. There's a team right now in Houston and in New York and here in LA. And that's how we get everything done. Hi, I'm Eric Jorgensen, author of The Almanac of Naval Ravikant, A Guide to Wealth and Happiness. Yeah, we can get up to a high number of steps, depending on how detailed you want to get. The process that I ended up following here was kind of, I started with an export of Naval's Twitter, which he provided. So that was like 20,000 tweets. And then I just read through all of these things and just kind of like one or zeroed, is it valuable or not? Like, did I love this? Is it timeless? Is it interesting? Is it is it kind of like a insight that I want to carry forth? And then categorizing and then kind of creating an outline. And then it's a lot of just reading as broadly as you can, collecting a huge pile of absolutely everything that you can find. So I think there is almost 100 individual sources in the final book. And the source material is well over a million words. And it's just a process of like creating transcripts for interviews and collating blog posts and kind of mapping these ideas that exist in all of these resources into this like skeleton of a framework that you've got. And then just reps and reps and reps and reps of like picking up a puzzle piece, trying to kind of figure out what it is, 
how you put it together, and then like where it fits in this framework, whether this framework makes any sense anymore. You got to kind of combine things or move them around or address what belongs and what doesn't. The first version of the book was three times as long as the final. So it was really a hard process of like, this probably isn't going to be like, isn't going to appeal to a high enough percentage of the people who are going to want to read it, or this really, really interests me, but like probably is going to make the book a little less timeless, you know, and might get outdated more quickly. So that was something that was important to me. But it was just this process of like reading it and rereading it, putting it down for a few weeks, coming back, seeing all the things that you couldn't see now that you've got like fresh as a daisy perspective on it and like kind of pick it up again and try to see it with beginner eyes. And the whole process is taking you about three years. Is that right? Mm -hmm. We'll come up right against three years by the time we get it published from from the very kind of beginning of the project, which caught me by surprise. I mean, it takes so much longer to write a book in reality than it does in our heads. (laughs) Yeah. You think you know what you think until you go to write it down and you're like, oh, this is this is completely revealing. Yeah. Have you chronicled your process anywhere or or will you be blogging about your process to help more people do what you've done? Yeah, I've shared a little bit of kind of behind the scenes on the blog. The website, uh, navalmanac.com, has like a little bit of a personal blog that's kind of like, here's some of the stuff I've learned. Here's the process. Here's some of the inspirations from it. I will continue to do that. So there are some posts that I've kind of got drafted that are like much, much more detail than kind of what we can get into here about like about the process and how it goes. And I tried to be pretty good about collecting that. You know, I think the first version is the hardest. I didn't know what this thing was going to look like when I started. There were a lot of kind of tough crossroads that I wasn't sure what was going to make the best final product and what this should look like. But now that I kind of have a little bit of a an idea of what the final product looks like, it's easier to kind of reverse engineer and talk through the steps and, and share them with people. So um, I'm looking forward to doing that. And I've gotten a, a kind of a surprising amount of questions about it already. People are more interested in the process than I thought they were going to be. I think the process is is absolutely fascinating. I think it's it's really cool to be able to digest a bigger picture. Like you make like somebody that has taught things for several years in several different ways with several different mediums and you bring it all together and make it digestible in a book. <laughs> yeah, that was part of the fun of building it. It doesn't come through in the final product as much because what I did was was just pick like the best articulation of each individual idea from all of these sources over time. And so what you're getting is like really dense, kind of insight rich, perfectly articulated versions of Naval's ideas. He evolves them over time. And so what I got to see as I compared all these different sources and, you know, put these things together was kind of like, oh, he's been talking about this idea for five or six years, but the examples become more precise and the definitions get more clear and the kind of fluff gets pulled away and it gets more and more condensed and more and more concise and clear. And so it's a really interesting process. He's been thinking about some of these ideas his entire life. There's a blog post at the end of the book from 2008 that is like really kind of tight kernels. It's just formulas. It's just kind of like leverage plus accountability plus specific knowledge equals wealth. And you're like, you have no idea what that means until you read the rest of the book. And there's, you know, dozens of pages on each one of those individual concepts. And you kind of see how he's been like unpacking these things and defining them and exemplifying them more and more and more and living them. You know, it's interesting to kind of look at what he's done and see how, you know, the frameworks have been applied to his own life. Can you share that formula again? Yeah. Income equals accountability plus leverage plus specific knowledge. 
Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Anna Freebay. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.